Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Man, welcome to Reframe. I'm so glad that you guys are here tonight. And I believe that God has some things he wants to say to us. And uh, if you're new with us tonight, I want you to look at the person that invited you and go ahead and punch him in the arm now. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, tonight, tonight we wanna, I was talking with one of my pastor friends the other day as I was getting ready for tonight. And, and I believe tonight, I do believe tonight is gonna be an encouragement. We're gonna, have, we're gonna have a good talk with each other. But my prayer is that you do leave encouraged. But every once in a while, I was talking with, again with one of my pastor buddies, he's in his 50s, and he said every once in a while, you gotta pull the family together and talk to your kids like a father. And that's different for me, because I'm the age of most of you and younger than a lot of you. But when God puts his hand on someone and says, this is the person I'm gonna talk to so that that person can talk to the rest like Moses, then we heed the voice of God because there are moments, sure. There are moments that God aims to do a few things and I wanna, I, I wanna give them to you quickly because that's what tonight is all about. Five words that God put on my heart for us as a family. Clarity, warning, welcome, encouragement, and repentance. And none of those things are negative if we receive them from God saying, God, show me what you wanna say. Just show me what you wanna say. How many of you have felt a little tired lately? Come on, let's be honest tonight, okay? So how many of us have felt a little tired lately? How many of us have, over the last two years, looked around and been like, God, what is going on? I told my wife the other day, I said, why do I feel like I'm living in a movie? We, would, we had just left a restaurant and went into Lowe's and everyone was wearing masks and that's not what tonight is about. But everyone was wearing masks and I was just looking around and, and I don't know if it was a spiritual thing, but I felt like God was giving me the ability in that moment to look into people's souls, past their faces. And I just saw fear and I saw anxiety and I saw stress and I saw worry. I saw uncertainty. I saw hearts that were tired. And it was in some of those moments where I felt like God said, I wanna, I'm gonna give you five things and I want you to bring five things to your people because God has always looked for someone that would change their world. Now hear me today, I didn't say the world, I said their world. And so many times we're trying to change the world, but if we don't start with our world, we don't change the world. And if Christians would start focusing on their world, we can make an impact on our world. And so tonight, my goal is to bring clarity in a way that I think will be helpful for you. My goal tonight is to bring warning for some of you. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I, I am bringing a siren of warning for some of you that God, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. There's a welcome for some of you 
There's an encouragement for all of us. And I believe there's a level of repentance for all of us to say, all right, God, I refuse to let tomorrow be like yesterday. So show me everything you gotta show me so that the future can be brighter than the past. And I can start impacting the world by being different in my world. So God, prepare our hearts tonight. Lord, as I have prayed, as I have prayed for every person that was gonna be here tonight, I pray that you would make our heart fertile soil for your word. That we would pursue true change tonight as you aim to reframe our lives and everything that is in it. I thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. So God, remove any barriers, pull down any walls that we've built up in front of ourselves so that your word can penetrate our hearts and we can prepare for what I truly believe is the greatest hour for the church to be the church. We don't go to church, Father, we are the church. And I pray tonight, you change us in Jesus' name. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do your work. Fill this room. Encourage us, warn us, welcome us as we aim for clarity and repentance tonight. We thank you and we love you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, guys, turn around, wave at a few people. They're going to roll a short video. We'll get started in just a minute. Y'all give it up for our team, man. They're incredible. Uh, we love them so much. and we're, we're, we're so excited. And I have this over here so that most of you can see this better and some of you can see it worse. All right, so uh, I'm excited about tonight. I, I, what, I've, what God put on my heart, as we've just talked about, is that he wants to communicate a, t- a few things to us as a church and a few things to us as individuals. And as we've been laying the foundation for reframe and just praying about it, and as God's just been speaking to me, we've got ready to unpack a few things. And, and I want to start by going on a little bit of a journey backwards for just a minute. And I don't do this often. I'm usually the guy that's always looking forward. So like, I, I almost, I'm almost the guy that will forget to celebrate what happened today because I'm looking for what God's going to do tomorrow. Like that's, that's the way I live. Um, and every once in a while, we got to hit the pause button and go backwards for a second. And, and I want to do that 
because I want to, a lot of you have joined the church over the last 12 to 24 months. And so I want to introduce you to what got us here. Um, because how many of you are grateful for what God is doing right now at TC? Like, I know, I don't know today's numbers. So these are all numbers based on last week. But 302 first-time guests have walked through our door since we've been here this year. So January 1 to now, that's incredible. The number I care about more than anything, 103 people have given their life to Jesus since, we, since January of this year. And nine months, that's incredible. But I want to take a little journey going backwards. Because before we were here, we were at the AMC. And so a lot of y'all got PTSD when I said that. Uh, so we were at the AMC, and so here's the pictures of us. And so I want to show you guys some photos. This is the pictures of us, and, and um, this was at about 5.50 in the morning because that's what time our crew showed up, Adam Simon, who head up our crew. And, uh, yeah, so this is what time our crew showed up, and we, we took – a party room and four theaters and turned them into a church in an hour and a half. And uh, it was incredible. Go ahead, let's, let's roll through a few of them, guys. That was the stage that we built every Sunday. 32 feet wide, 16 feet deep. We built it every Sunday. Same six guys, well, five guys and one girl. Uh, we put it together every Sunday. Uh, we hung the lighting. Let's keep going, guys. Let's have a look at what's going on. This is our, we took over, if you've ever been in the AMC on Bayou, if you go to the right, there's that big hallway. That was our church, okay? So we, we took all their movie crap and got it out of the way, and we put up our banners, and it was obnoxiously loud in there. Um, and so this, if you have a look, that lighting rig, we hung it every week. We put it together, hung it, and cranked it 20 feet in the air every week with backdrops. We built the stage. Keep going. Go ahead and take us to the next one. We filled the movie theater full of people every week. That's the stage we built. That's our team putting together the drum set that we had to set up every week with the guitar players we set up every week, with the keyboard players we set up every week. That's some of the crew building the stage that we literally stood on. Every week. Now, I want you guys to understand this. This wasn't an event. This was our life for nine months. And we were prepared to do it for five years. That was, we spent money to do this for five years. That's uh, Adam and his boys putting together more of the stage. Go ahead and go to the next one, guys. I think, I don't remember how many more of AMC we have. All right, so pause for a second. When we went to AMC, we were portable, and it was complete chaos in the best possible way. Like, it, I really enjoyed it, and I think, I think sometimes I miss being, that, being there because it created this sense of urgency in us. One, because we were on a clock, and sometimes we were tearing a stage down, and the movie was about to start in five minutes. So that, <laughs> that happened more than once. So there was urgency on our clock, but I felt like there was urgency. There was this all-hands-on-deck grind that was going on in our church in that season where it was like, it was almost one of those things where if TC was going to be TC, it was, it was going to require everyone to use every gift God had put in them. And he did. And we saw hundreds of people come to know the Lord because we were having church in a setting that wasn't a church. 
Uh, and so it was, it was a beautiful time. But before that, we were at DeSoto. So this is DeSoto Street. This is just a random Sunday. If you notice, the beautiful part about our church is it's never not looked like a coloring box or a box full of crayons. So, uh, so this is our church. This is DeSoto Street that we were at before then. I know the building looks great. It was terrible. All right. There was a hole this big in the ceiling. And if it rained that week, we just moved chairs and put trash cans. It was catching water. There was a hallway that had fungus in it that only grew in rainforests. It was terrible. It was disgusting. So this is a great looking photo. Let's go to the next one, guys. Have a look at what's going on. Look at that young whippersnapper still leading worship. All right. So, uh, but it was a great time. Keep going. I just want you guys to see that our team, God did amazing things there. That's one of our Next Steps classes where uh, people were going through Next Steps. Some, some of you in the room are in this photo right now. Uh, all right, go to the next one. Let's have a, have a look at what's next. Is that the end of DeSoto? And then we want to take you back before there. Now, what's special about AMC is we, we launched on a, in a church on Fairfield. The church could hold about 180 we push that limit a lot. <laughs> but here's the deal. I don't know if we ever would have went from Fairfield to AMC. I really don't. We didn't have it in us. I don't think we could see that clear at that time. Like, and so what we did is, is God took us on a journey through the desert to get us to some sort of promised land. And so, but what I, what I want to show you is, you know, DeSoto was what I call the stressful season. <laughs> um... But in all seriousness, like every terrible thing that we could possibly imagine as a church happened to us at DeSoto Street. That was when Jabin went to be with the Lord. Um, that was when someone unofficially technically stole $100,000 from us. Won't get into all that. <laughs> I just gave Justin PTSD. <laughs> Justin's still working on that, by the way. Um, but that was, that was a, a crazy season. But it was also kind of a restful season because what we had just come out of, isn't it funny how you come out of a crazy season and into a kind of a resting season and then it's only a matter of time before God takes you into another crazy one? Isn't it kind of crazy? Uh, he does that. Well, before that, this is Fairfield. And I wanted to give you guys some, some clarity on this. Uh, now, I was not the lead pastor at the time. Pastor Dan was the lead pastor and killed it every Sunday. But he killed it this morning, didn't he? Just... So, so this is us on Fairfield. Now, to help you out on Fairfield, we were in three services every Sunday. 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock. We were cranking through services. Uh, in two weeks, we grew from 170 to 400. <laughs> we would, that's what we said in the office. We were like, oh, God, we, we got to figure stuff out. Let's go to the next one, guys. Have a, let's just have a look. So this is the building. We put 400 people in it over three services every Sunday for four years. 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock. We didn't have baptism inside the building because we tore it out to put a drum booth in there. So we did baptisms in the parking lot. But... This is the team. You see some familiar faces up there because they're still with us leading worship. Keep going, guys. 
There he is. When I saw this picture, I was like, oh, that's going in there. So that was, <laughs> he controls it all. <laughs> so Kyle, can you give me my pictures back, please? Please. Okay, thank you. Um, now, this is intentional, actually. This is intentional. I want you guys to understand something. Kyle Thompson, this isn't a brag about Kyle session, but we were in three services every weekend. Kyle was our main production person at that time. It was really just sound and then a bunch of people running cameras and doing our best. It was, we really made lemonades. We made lemon meringue pie out of lemons with like a homemade crust and like, I mean, we, we did a lot. Uh, this young man, Kyle, you're probably what, like, you know I'm terrible with ages. What do you hear, like 17? <laughs> yeah. 16, 17, something like that. 17. Kyle started serving on our production team when he was 14. Am I getting that right? He started serving on our production team for 14. You can, I can count on two hands how many Sundays he's taken off since he was 14 years old serving on our team. And so, when he was 14, I would pick him up for church and take him, and he would run sound. It was great. Um, let's keep going. Over uh, on our right, we have some different people. That's our Connect Center, which was very small. The reason I, I'm sure this is all going somewhere, I just bear with me. But um, our team, our Connect team, and our worship team, I want to give you guys some clarity for a second. Because a lot of you serve on the dream team right now. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm more than, more than I can put in words, I'm grateful for how you serve and what you do here. I mean, I, truly, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. But sometimes, because we're close to the promised land, we can start to take on the mentality of the promised land. And our Connect team served two services and, and worshiped in one every Sunday. Our worship team served three services every Sunday every week for four years, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock. They got there at 6.30 in the morning to practice for the 8 o'clock service, and we just ran through them. By the time you were done, you didn't even see who was out there. It was just like shapes and colors. Like, I think there are people out there. We're just leading worship to whoever, right? But I, here's, here's what I want to challenge some of us with. We have to understand where we came from and what got us here. And we, we have a heritage of saying yes to God so that God can say yes to people. Like it's, it runs through our veins. God, I'm saying yes to you so that you can change people. He doesn't need our help, but he asks for it. And unfortunately, some of us on the dream team currently, and maybe you're in here and you're not on the dream team, some of us serve less in one month than that worship team did in one day. And where we're going, God is saying, hey, I'm looking for more. I'm looking for more. 68% of our county doesn't go to church anywhere. 65% of our county doesn't even believe that Jesus is Lord. And what I'm hoping to help you with a few things tonight, I know this, it's about you, but it's about us. But as we deal with us, we have to deal with you. Right? And my invitation to you is, my invitation is 
There's a, a legacy of this house of saying yes and then finding out what the question is. God, you got my yes. What are you asking? Right? Because here's the deal. Every single one of us that have been part of this train for a long time, and some of you guys have been on it with us, you're going to get to heaven one day. God's going to walk you up to a hill, and you're going to look over it, and there's going to be tens of thousands of people. And you're going to say, God, what am I doing here? And he's going to say, these are all of the ones that are here because you said yes. And today my challenge is let's rethink what it means to start saying yes to God again. Because we've let the world hold our yes for far too long. I think we have a few more photos. That was the parking lot. We were parking in the cemetery. We were parking everywhere. We were just, there was a gymnast place across the street. We were parking there because they didn't have anything on Sundays. We had to pay them lease so we could park in their parking lot. We, this is a baptism we were doing outside. Um, it was brutal, hot. Uh, keep, is that it, guys? Uh, there's an overhead shot of just like, it, it held 180. On Easter, we were probably doing like 220 in the building at each service. It was just like armpits in sweat. It was disgusting. <laughs> All right. Um, them ceiling fans did nothing. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep going. Uh, if there's any more? Is that it back there? Okay, I think that's it for them. And so my goal is to take you on the journey because I want you to understand what got us here. Because what got us here won't get us where God is taking us. And if we're saying yes to left, we ever reach what God is calling us to. And so what I'm, what I'm aiming to accomplish with us today as we aim to create clarity is to help you understand that TC is built on the backs of people giving everything they have to God. Now, let's also be clear for a second. That doesn't mean neglecting your family. That doesn't mean any of those things. We're going we're gonna to get into some of that. But what it does mean is like, God, let me not give everything I have to a world that's giving nothing back. Meanwhile, give nothing to you who's giving everything back. We have an opportunity, friends, family, brothers, sisters. We, we have an opportunity to change our world. And we can't stop at the houses, the cars, the bank accounts, and the careers. We can't do it. Because there's far too many people who are going to hell when they die. 72% of Americans don't believe hell is real which means more than 72% of them are going to find themselves there when they take their last breath. We've got work to do. And I want to challenge you as we get ready to move forward with what it's going to look like. Now, for some of you, you've been in the game, and it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. But, man, I'm telling you, God has something for us. And here's something, if you're taking notes tonight, great, I want to give you this. God always honors faithfulness. God always honors faithfulness. Always. He always honors faithfulness. And so I want to give you some clarity for your life for a second. You see, 
This season of fruitfulness, every season, the seasons of fruitfulness are a direct result of our seasons of faithfulness. Our seasons of, how many guys have lived a blessed life? How many, how many has God been good to you? Just raise your hand. Come on, be proud of it for a second, right? God's taking care of us. God's done amazing things for us and in our lives. I want to help you out with everything for just a second. Your seasons of fruitfulness are directly tied to your seasons of faithfulness. And here's what God put on my heart to help you out with. Is many of us over the last couple years, God has still blessed us in spite of all the chaos going on out there. Hadn't he? Hasn't God taken good care of us despite all the craziness? Right, And so we've been walking in a season of fruitfulness. And here's what I feel like God put on my heart. Okay, so if, don't get mad at me for this. It's God if you don't like it. All right, but here, I'm going to give it to you. Right? God put, on my heart, God put this on my heart. Some of you aren't going to have anything in the next season for fruitfulness because you've let go of your faithfulness in this one. If, your next, if fruitfulness in your next season is contingent upon faithfulness in this one, many of you have dropped your faithfulness in this one. And when you get to the next one, you're going to be going, God, where did you go? And he's going to be saying, you never put new seed in the ground for a new harvest. The Bible says we sow and then we reap. God doesn't generate blessings for us out of nothing. He generates blessings for us out of obedience and faithfulness. And so if we've stopped being obedient to a calling and we've stopped being faithful to what he called us to, how can we possibly be looking for fruitfulness over here? Now, just so we're clear, faithfulness is not limited to serving on a team on Sunday. Just so I'm, I don't want to blend those lines too much. I'm talking about in every aspect of, your, of our lives. Our giving, our generosity, our serving, yes, but also our loving our neighbors well. And all that. like, so, so what we've done is COVID has sent us indoors. Like Matt Chandler says, we've built tall fences and small tables. And if, if God, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to start again saying, okay, I need to change some things, we're going to find ourselves frustrated in the next season because we'll be fruitless because in this season, there's been no faithfulness. And so we need to pick the ball back up and start reprioritizing our faithfulness so that we're putting some seed in the ground so that we can experience fruitfulness, blessings and favor from God because we've seen, we put seed in the ground. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously, in other words, you're faithful, you're, you're giving, not just of your, your money, because that's not what it's all about. It has to do with that, but that's not where it stops. Also, our time and our talents. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, which is why my goal tonight is not to get up here and say, guys, come on. My goal tonight is to paint a very clear picture for you so that God can prompt your heart to do what he's asking you to do, not just do what I'm asking. Because if it's what I'm asking you to do, how many guys know come tomorrow, you're going to be like, you know what, I don't feel like doing that. How many of y'all had parents? It was like, you wanted to do a good thing, but then when they started asking you, you was like, I want to do that. Right? And so, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good restful season. Is that what it says? You will abound in every season where you don't do much for the kingdom. Is that what it says? He said you'll abound. That means you'll have abundance. That means it will be fruitful in every good work. Because God is calling us to a life that we lay it down. And say yes to Jesus, yes to the kingdom, yes to what he's calling us to, yes to what he's asking of us, yes in advance, and then you can ask me the question later, God. You've got my yes, now just give me direction, right? And so we want to be fruitful. Because life, the next thing I want you to understand if you're taking notes, because life has put us into survival mode, many have been convinced that they should consume rather than contribute. Because life has put us in survival mode, we've been convinced that we should consume rather than contribute. Now, to help with this, I want to kind of paint this picture for you up here. I know some of you are like, what is this obnoxious thing? All right, so this right here is, I want to I kind of unpack for you what God kind of gave me clarity on as we were as he was showing me how many of us kind of got to where we are. So at the center of our lives, we've got God, don't we? Oh, thanks for the lights. We've got God, don't we? Now, when God's at the center, how many of you know family goes better? Come on. I say when God's at the center, family goes better, right? Well, when family's good because God is good, then we're, man, our we have no problem giving. Not just, again, not just money. I'm not harping about money. We have no problem having faith. Like, man, God just shows up and, and man, we're, I'm believing God for great things. How many of you are believing God for great things in your life? Like, man, we're just, we're just in there. And so because of that, man, we get so excited and we got no problems serving, which is where many of us were. Some of y'all have been rocking this with us for a long time. And so, man, Guess what happens? We, we can set this right here, and our serving is great. And then and we, we're, in we're in groups. We're getting into relationships. Like, things are good. And so, man, we're going to put this down here. And, and look what happens, man. We, we've got this great faith circle. So God is at the center. And as God is at the center, it impacts our family. And it's, since it impacts our family, and how many guys know when family ain't good, ain't nothing good? Come on, like y'all know what I'm talking about? I, I grew up in that house. My dad was like, if mom ain't happy. Okay, so some of y'all grew up that way too, right? So family matters. And so that's why I want to make sure you understand before serving and giving and faith, listen to me, you need to make sure your family's good. So I'm not, I'm, I am not the, the pastor that tells you you need to get that out of whack. We need to keep all of it right. But after our faith circle comes our vocational circle. Vocation being our jobs, our employment, what we do for a living. And the problem, this is what God spoke to me, and how many guys know this yellow, the, the yellow frame is the frame that holds all of our life intact? And how many of you know that when the picture looks like this, 
It's beautiful, isn't it? Like, how many of y'all know this is what we're all striving for, right? Come on, like, help me out. Okay, this is what we're striving for. But how many know the last two years, we feel like that happened? Right? I mean, like, we're like, we feel like everything got knocked off. So here's what we've done. Are you ready? Eli, get up here and help me out, bro. I just, just in case I need help. So what, we, what we've done is when we put our, when we come back to it, Notice two things didn't fall off the board. Why? Because they're the two things that stay in front of you all the time. So, like, there are two things that you can't get rid of. Sometimes you wish you could. You know what I mean? Like, send the kids away for a weekend. That would be great, right? So, so, when COVID happened, it knocked all of our lives over. Can we all say amen to that? Ain't nobody in here. Your life wasn't impact, impacted by this, right? And so, what did we do? In a frantic attempt... We started trying to piece our life back together while we were living it. So we're, we're going like, oh, oh my gosh. And so what happens when you're trying to piece your life back together while you're living it? You let the wrong things get at the center, don't we? That's good. And what happens, what happens when the wrong thing get at the center? When fear is what's driving your family, you can't figure out why you're mad all the time. So now you're trying... So, so fear is driving everything. But guess what? We don't have time. Listen, how many of you have been this way in the last couple of years? I don't have time to try to figure all this out because I still got a job and I still got a family I got to take care of. I don't have time to kind of figure out how to do what I got to do. So what do we do? We as quickly as possible start trying to piece all of it back together. And instead of giving, we start looking t- for taking. So, oh gosh, oh, I need to put this back in my life. And so let me help get that there. Okay. And then, oh my goodness, I don't have a lot of time for God, but at least I can make time for church. So like, again, we're frantic, right? Like I got to get it all back together. And so I know God asks a lot of me. So what I'll do is just check the religious box. So I feel better. And so we come in and we, we put it on the board. Okay, that's good. Again, we're frantic, right? And, and so instead of serving, what do we do? We start preserving. Because fear is driving us, right? We went from God, you can have it all, to God, can I keep it all? Because I don't know if there's going to be enough. Because that's what happens when fear is making our decisions. And so we, we start preserving. Boy, listen. Make that happen, Eli. Okay, good. There you go. He helped me build it. He should go. Okay. See? Uh-oh. See? That's what happens when you start preserving. All right. So, and so then we were in groups, weren't we? When God was at the center, we were in groups. Things were good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The problem is when fear goes to the center, what happens? We stop looking for community. We start looking for opinions. I'm looking for someone to agree with me because I'm terrified of what might happen if I'm wrong. So let me, have, let me find some people that agree with me. Okay, you agree with me? Perfect. We can be friends. But if you don't, we can't. Oh, you voted for that person? I'm terrified of what might happen to our country, even though we serve a sovereign God. But let me be terrified about the president, even though the Bible says I put kings and rulers in place and nothing happens outside of my sovereign hand. So, so, so what do we do? We stop going to community. We start going Common ideas. 
And so Lisa, I, I'm going to, I need to find, oh, you agree with me about masks? We can be friends, but let's not talk to that person that doesn't agree. Oh, you, vaccines, oh, goodness, the vaccine, we got, oh, you agree with me about vaccines? Perfect, we can be friends, but let's not talk to Trisha over there, because Trisha don't agree with us about vaccines. You know how I feel about vaccines, because they, it's a, the studies and the whatever and the blood. Listen, how about you just shut up long enough to get into some community? Listen, I want to help you out today in Jesus' name. Some of y'all know that's a trap. (laughs) For some of us, the last thing we ever needed was for some people to have an opinion. Listen to me. We don't listen to them about what movie we should see, about what restaurants we should eat at, but we think we should take medical or political advice from them. But God never asks us to have an opinion. He asks us to be in community. But why have we traded community for commonality? As long as you match my opinion, we can rock together. But if you don't, I don't know if we can hang out. And the worst thing that happened to some of us is we stopped letting people in our world. Listen, some of you need someone to call you out sometimes. Like some of you are bullheaded enough, you need someone to be like, hey, shut up. Can I help y'all out in Jesus' name? Some of y'all need someone to slap you around sometimes. Because you are so strong about your opinion, you need someone to say, hey, listen, brother, let me help you out. That don't matter. But what is he going to do to our country? How much power do you have over that? None. You ready? You know what you do have power over? Who eats at your table. And some of us hadn't built the kingdom at all because we're too worried about our kingdom right now. Too many of us haven't done any work to show our neighbors that we believe in Jesus, but we've done everything we can to show the world what we believe about masks, vaccines, politics, all that stuff. Matter of fact, God went out of his way to tell us not to let those things be what we're known for. And so, in a frantic, fear-filled attempt, what do we do? We start going to social media. We're not going to community to help us. We're going to all the people that shouldn't have an opinion, just looking for someone that will agree with ours. And that's what happens when fear rules your life instead of God. But then this is what happens. We get, because again, we're frantic, aren't we? Last two years, frantic? Yes. World got rocked. COVID hit. And so this is what we've done. We've tried to frame it up, but I want you to lift your side up, Eli. Don't put it on there straight. Just lift it up a little bit. Higher, higher. Keep going. There you go. Right there. That's how we feel sometimes. We ain't framed it up straight. It's all kinds of crooked, crooked, (laughs) right? Now, let me help give some of y'all clarity. Are you ready? This is why for some of you, take it up a little higher, Eli. Keep going. Right there is good. This is why for some of you, you go through some weeks, and it's like, why do I feel all this emptiness in my life? Can we be real? 
I feel empty. I got all this free time, right? But then the next week, what's happening? I ain't got no time for nothing. You feel like you're not doing well with your family. You feel like you don't have time to go to a group. I don't have time to serve on a team. I don't have time to, I'm, I'm not even doing well at my job right now. Look at all this job I'm supposed to be doing. I ain't doing none of that. Man, everything that's supposed to matter, I don't have time for. But then two weeks later, you're like, man, I got three days. I got nothing to do. Because you got all this over here. The problem is that your frame is off. And your frame is off because just like the rest of us, you let fear get at the middle of your life. And with fear at the middle of life, you frantically tried to put together your life. And you did it by deprioritizing all the right things in many cases and prioritizing the wrong ones. Or at best, you did it by saying, I don't have time for these things because I just got to make sure that these things are good. And so the two things that never change, your vocation, your job, and your family, you made sure those were good. Why? Because little Johnny's standing in front of you tomorrow, isn't he? So you're like, I got to take care of Johnny. Some of y'all are like, who's Johnny? Well, whatever your kid's name is. So your kids are standing in front of you. You're not going to not take care of them. Am I right? Guess what else you got to do tomorrow? Clock in. Earn a living. And so what do you do? I can't tamper with those things. So I can't change these things. And I'm not saying you should. What I'm saying is you became so stressed out because fear is at the center of your life that they're not healthy and the things that you have, you could have in your life that could make everything better isn't healthy either. Which is why many of us find some weeks where everything just feels empty and some weeks where everything seems stressful. But for most of us, nothing seems okay. And what God is saying is, what if we just brought it back down? My goal tonight is to say, why don't we get things back in order? Instead of letting fear be at the center of our lives, let's put the right things back. Listen to me. You could lose your job tomorrow. But if God's at the center, he'll let you have whatever you need to have. All right? To be clear, that is not permission to quit your job. Okay, so just, just so, all right, I want to, all right, good. But then, hear me, we can put faith back where it belongs. And we can, handle that, brother. We can stop being fearful that we're going to run out and get back in line with giving again. Not just giving money. I'm talking about our time. Our time. Man, God has put something in some of you, and you're not using it because you're scared that you're going to run out of whatever is inside of you. But we can start giving again. We can get out of a life of preservation and 
get back to a life where we're changing our community. For God's sakes, we can get, you know what, we're just going we're just, we're just to do that. Okay, so, no, there is something on the other side that I think matters. Some of you keep complaining to God that you're lonely, but you're not going to the place that changes being alone. God, I just feel like I don't have any friends. Well, why don't you go where friends are? Sometimes you got to go where everybody knows your name. Okay, so... All right. That was a nod to y'all over 45s. You're welcome. All right. Very good. We love y'all too. Okay. I looked that one up. I'm just kidding. I did. Okay. So, we get back to some of, y- some of y'all. That was great joy for you. I could see it. Y'all, like, y'all use all these terms that we don't know, but I got one for you. All right. So. Hear me, if we can put it all in the right order, we can put the right frame on it. And listen to me, I, I really want you to hear this because I, I believe it's be valuable for you. You were never supposed to live a life well rested. So social media has convinced some of us that we're supposed to live this life that is just restful. Like we have bought into the Instagram lie of like, hammocks and grapes we're just like laying in a hammock in our backyard like thank you lord that i'm so well rested (laughs) like i say we're laughing but how many are like we're looking for this blissful rest that doesn't exist like i'm just looking god i'm just just looking i'm looking for rest well genesis 1 says that he gave them the garden to hang out and play all day? To lean against the tree and eat grapes? To build hammocks? To, he, to, to work? God's people were never intended to sit back in a recliner We were always intended to have hands on the plow. So you'll never find the Holy Spirit rest until you start doing the Holy Spirit work. So if you want rest, start doing the work that God honors as faithfulness so that he can reward you with fruitfulness. And it's in your fruitfulness that you receive true rest. You know who takes very few days off? Me. Now, I don't mean this braggingly. What I'm saying is, you know who takes very few days off? Me. You want to know why it doesn't matter? Because I don't even care. We're, I'm doing what God built me to do. Now, I get that you're like, yeah, but that's like your job. So, like, I don't, you know, like, uh, but I hate my job. But, like, so I get that. I'm not saying your job is going to make you feel the way my job makes me feel. What I am saying is there is something you can be doing that makes you feel energized, that makes you feel productive, that, that is a reward. 
because you're serving. You're making a, a difference. Every, the, inside of every single one of us is this desire to make a difference in other people's lives. There's this desire in us that when we walk away from a relationship, not walk away permanently, but when we leave someone's house knowing that we did something that changed their life, that we, we are a relationship that is fruitful for them. There's something in us that has a desire to make a difference in people's lives, and it is in that desire being met that true rest comes. Rest is not found when you work less. Rest is found when you are fruitful. And so may we be fruitful with what God is calling us to, because he's calling us to this place where he would help us. And, and I know for some of us, man, what do we got to do? We got to start saying yes again to all the things that God is calling us to. And so for some of you, I'm inviting you right now. Some of you, you've been a TC for a while now, and you have never started serving. It's time to change that. What got us here is people serving. I'm inviting you to become part of that legacy. What got us here was people saying, yes, I'm inviting you to be part of that legacy. Right? Because it is in that serving that you will find true reward. That's why the Bible says anyone that puts his hand to the plow and looks backwards isn't even fit to serve in the kingdom. Because it is far too common for any of us to be worried about the things of this world. Some of you got here early enough to see it. How many of you was it mad awkward when you got here? Anybody else notice? I was like, man, the light. <laughs> Adam raised his hand. Uh, how many of y'all know, like, Adam came up, he's playing his guitar. He's singing. He made it through two verses in a chorus before anyone even realized he was, oh, like, oh, we're doing a thing. And, like, he's singing. Lights aren't on. PA system's not on. There's no lyrics on the screen. There's no band. How many of y'all noticed there were no greeters here when you got here? Empty hallway. Lights are off. There's no music in the culture, right? Because I wanted to give all of us a taste of what it would look like if all of us served the way some of us serve. If all of us did what some of us did, now, for some of you that are brand new to TC, I'm not trying to beat you up. Okay, some of y'all are like, I'm coming, I promise. I've been, I got here. <laughs> I've been a part of this church for eight hours. I don't even know. I get it. Okay, I, I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up. What's that? Yeah, right, right, right. Next steps. Next steps can get you there. All right, so, uh, so some of y'all are like, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, this isn't my attempt to beat you up. What I'm trying to let you know is, what if everyone did what you do? That's a self-reflection question. For some of you, we'd be rock stars because some of you give every Sunday. I think if some of the people that's been on the team, Anthony and Cindy uh, and, and Jonathan, some of them, they've been on the worship team for like 18 years. But maybe you're on the other side of that coin. What if everyone served the way you serve? Where would the church be? And if you don't like the answer, then I'm just asking you to change it. Okay, that's all I'm asking. Now, I'm also well aware that we're coming out of like summertime. So some of y'all are like, hey, listen, dog, I was just on vacation for a few weeks. Like, so like, don't think I like, ah, okay, so. But some of us, we're not really serving. And I'm asking you to change that. Some of you need to be in groups. 
Some of you, listen to me, your marriage needs you to be in a group. Some of you, your job needs you to be in a group. Because you are a better husband or wife. You are better in so many arenas when you are in a group. Listen, you need to be in a group. Me and my boys, we ate down at Khan's Saturday. Me, True, Eli, some of us, we ate some sushi and some pad thai. It was delicious as a group. And we talked about life, and I found out what was going on in True and Eli's life. And we, we hung out. And so uh, and, and I'm better for it today because of the people that were in my life yesterday. And some of you need to engage that. Some of you will never deal with your past until you bring some people into your process. And it's time you start dealing with that. Yeah. So serving, groups, saying yes. Why? Again, I ask the question, what if everyone in the church served the way you do? Would we be better or worse? What if every greeter served the way some of you serve? There would be no one to high five, shake hands, hug. I mean, when we put in COVID protocols and told them you can't high five or hug anymore, it was like all of them went into like cardiac arrest. They were seeing people and they were like. <laughs> right? Like, they didn't know what to do. Right? Some, now, some of you were in heaven. You were like, I've never felt so free in my life <laughs> than to know that no one's going to touch me or talk to me. Right? So, don't worry. If that's you, there's cameras you can be part of. Okay? You don't have to, like, you, whatever. So, <laughs> whatever. Like, so, but. It, Here's what I'm getting at, and, I, and we're going to get moving because I'm not going to hold you all night in torture. Um, we're a spoiled nation. Like Christians in America, I mean, even on your worst day, like even if your candidate won or lost or whatever, like, even when you found out that your job was doing whatever and COVID or just on your worst day, we're a spoiled nation. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, and when um, the Taliban was taking over Afghanistan, we have some missionary friends over there. One of them was part, he was one of the pastors that was part of the underground church. And uh, I got word from them, and I even I screenshotted it so we could have a look at it. You guys have it up there? I know some, most of you can't read this, so I'm going to read it to you. But it said, we received news that the underground church in Kabul has been martyred. Our friends have been in contact and met together last night in deep prayer. The last word she spoke was, we feel your prayers because the supernatural boldness came over us. And we were singing in the spirit, and even the kids said, Mom, we will not deny Jesus. As they were on the phone, they heard screaming and gunshots. God is so powerful that they went to be with the Creator, filled with joy. When this came out, it said, We will be fasting tomorrow for the churches. Keep praying. Their reward is great, and may the enemy encounter Jesus and his love that they would repent. The prayers of our brothers and sisters in Kabul were not, God save us from this. It was, God save them from this. (laughs) 
our Christian brothers and sisters, as they were about to lose their life, were not praying that God would deliver them from what was about to happen to them, but that God would deliver those that were coming to kill them from their sin, that they might find Jesus as well. Now, this is where I have a real hard time, and I try not to be cynical. We can't figure out if we're watching online or in the room on Sundays. Like, we posture ourselves on whether or not we really feel like getting here an hour earlier than we planned. If it's like, I don't know if I want to serve, because that's an extra hour and a half on a Sunday. This is what our brothers and sisters are doing. But you want to know who's changing the world? America is decreasing in their Christian numbers. Afghanistan is increasing. Which means what we need is a church that starts being the church again. Listen, have your job. Have your career. Earn your income. I pray that you tithe with it. That makes this possible. I'm not here telling you you need to sell everything and move to Kabul. If God tells you that, maybe wait a while, but, um, you know, maybe that's in the cards for you. What I'm telling you is there is a church across the world that does believe so much in this that they'll die for it. In America, I'm not saying you, I'm saying in our country, we have some people that don't know they believe enough in this to wake up for it and drive 20 minutes to an air-conditioned room today, semi-air-conditioned. That was really all a ploy. We, our air conditioning is fine. We just wanted you to feel it, really. It's just like this, it was this moment. I'm kidding. I would not do that to you or me. Um, our church doesn't know that we're not confident we believe in this. And so because of that, I want to take you to Matthew 24. The disciple says, Jesus, what are the signs of your coming? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Boy, has the church been deceived. Masks, vaccines. You guys heard of Pastor Greg Locke on Facebook? Anybody heard of him? Yeah? Careful, he's a heretic. We got too many pastors playing politics in pulpits. We need to start preaching Jesus. But here's one thing that we understand. Make sure no one deceives you. Make sure no one convinces you to believe more in a candidate than in Christ. Make sure no one believes you that God's sovereignty doesn't reign over every single health scare in this world. Listen, God tells you to wear a mask, wear a mask. If he tells you to get a shot, get a shot. If he tells you not to wear a mask, eh, don't wear a mask. If he tells you not to get a shot, don't get the shot. That's where I stand on it. But you want to know what he's not telling you? To be silent with your faith. You want to know what he's not telling you? To get out of community. You want to know what he's not telling you? To quit serving. What he's not telling you? Is to give less. What he's not telling you is to let fear own you. What he's not telling you is to make sure people know how you feel about politics over Christ. What he's not telling you 
is to live a life so committed to the world that you're blinded to heaven. We gotta get back on track. And it starts here. When fear is at the center, your life is in shambles. And I've been there, man. I laid in my recliner for a week going, God, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I told you about it last week. People were masks and the things and the blah and the whatever. And I'm just like, oh, for God's sakes. I just know how to preach, man. It wasn't, listen, seminaries where we go to Bible college and learn to be pastors, they didn't have a pamphlet on pandemics. I wasn't like, man, we turn to page three and figure out like how we should handle this. No, that didn't exist. And so we have to come back to what God is saying, that we have to put our hands back on the plow. Jesus answered, says, watch that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Hey, Christians, see to it that you're not alarmed. Friends, when wars are going on, don't be alarmed. Like, we're so shocked. Oh, my gosh. It's right here. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. In other words, all these are an indicator that something's coming. Any mamas in the house? Ladies, raise your hand. Any mamas in the house? When them contractions started, something was coming. Right? That's the beginning of birth pains. Then this is the promise that Jesus gives us. Are you ready? Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Ah, lovely. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. That's why I believe we don't need politics in the pulpit. Because we got people trying to help people see something they're never supposed to see. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end. Come on. The one who stands firm to the end. The one that remains faithful. The one that is consistent. The one that is constant. The one. The one that stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, then the end will come. So all that's going to happen first. You know what my greatest fear for our church is? It's not dying. One of my greatest fears for our church is apathy. Where we become so indifferent about the fact that 68% of our county is going to hell that we just try to have good church. It's not good enough. And it never will be. We've got work to do. So, going back to Matthew 24, that's why I believe it's prophetic that God said the love of most will grow cold. 
I believe that's what happened last year. As we processed the pain of George Floyd passing, then the election hit. You know what I watched? I watched prophecy be fulfilled. Instead of saying, man, I don't understand your pain, but I would like to, we said, that's not real pain. You shouldn't feel that way. How ludicrous. The love of many grew cold. And I pray that God would challenge our hearts in that way. I have an opinion about one thing, the gospel. Everything else is trash. It's nothing except pineapple on pizza. <laughs> I definitely have a very strong opinion about that, so we can fight over that. <clears throat> I want to give you this, and we'll get ready to wrap up. TC's trajectory is directly connected to our clarity. TC's trajectory is directly connected to our clarity. We've looked at a lot of photos, but I want to show you just a few from the last 12 months. We got those up there? Go ahead, just scroll through them. Friends, look where God has brought us. And some of you weren't even a part of the whole journey, but I'm really glad you are now. Some of you, you're like brand new, like now eight hours and 24 minutes new. But I'm really glad you are now. But I really want you to understand something. My goal is not to build a church so that we can say we had good church. I aim to rattle the gates of hell and take every soul we can into heaven. But here's what I want you to understand. The ship can't go very far if the crew thinks of themselves as passengers. There's a spot for you to do your part. And I'm asking you to say yes to that. In our TC code, we have a phrase, this is a search and rescue mission. We will never let this lifeboat become a yacht club. And I believe that when fear is at the center of our lives, we start looking for yacht clubs, not lifeboats. I'm tempted to change that one day to battleship instead of lifeboat because it's time that we go to war. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you're going to wear. It's not life more than food, your body more than clothes. But isn't that kind of how life has gotten lately? Just trying to get through the day, man. 
So I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your giving, talk about your serving, talk about your family. Ephesians 4. Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Some of you are new to church. You don't get this. I want to help you out for a second. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. We call it the fivefold ministry. So Christ gave that to the church, right? For what? To do all the work in the church. Is that what it says? Or does it say to equip you to do what God's called you to do? That looks different for every person, but there is something for every person. How many of you are glad that our worship team is talented and they love the Lord and they lead us so well? You guys like appreciate it for them? How many of you are glad you're not on that list? How many are like, boy, we clean this mug out quick if I was singing, right? That's because God gave them that. He didn't give you that, but he did give you something. For some of you, you should be with our kids because you have the ability to communicate and serve with kids in such a way that you could bring the gospel to them. Because I believe the next worship leader of our next campus is already in that room right now. I believe our next campus pastor, one of our next campus pastors is in that room right now. I don't think we need to hire them from Virginia or something. I don't know why I picked Virginia. I don't know. Maybe they got good campus pastors. I don't know why we feel the need. I think we should raise them in our house. And so let's do that. Um, I want to do something as we end. Men, I want to invite you to stand up for a second. Just men. I'm about to bring to you a, if the shoe fits, wear it type of moment. Men, you are the spiritual leaders of your home. We are the spiritual leaders of our home. Some of you never had a father to teach you how to be a leader. And I'm asking you to get into some groups so that some of the older men can start teaching you how to do it. You are the spiritual leaders of your home. It's time some of you start acting like it. It's time some of you stopped letting your wife tell you when and where you're going to church and you start leading your home. Pick up the mantle, please. Your family needs it. It's your job to lead your wife, for those of you that are married, with what you do spiritually. It's time you lead your family on what prayer, devotion, and worship look like. Some of you want so badly for your kids to love God, but you never look like you do. Please start. It's time you lead your family on what serving looks like. I think about my niece. Lexi, she's going to hate me for this. She somehow just turned 17. I feel like she skipped 11 through 16 to do that. So not sure how that happened. 
Anthony Tregoning, you're going to hate me for this too, but I honor you, man. I honor you. Yeah. I honor you for showing my nieces what it means to serve the kingdom of God. And that the house matters. This house matters. Men, take note, please, of what one of your brothers has done well and do it well. Some of you need to let go of what's been holding on to you so you can start pursuing what God is calling you to. Some of you, it's time you stop looking in the mirror and going back to that problem that you struggle with, those websites you deal with, and those text messages you keep receiving and you start pursuing what's in front of you instead of continually telling yourself not to have what's behind you. It's back there, leave it back there and start leading today. Men, please. Waiting on everything to get better is not proactive, it's passive. Start moving, start doing, start serving, start giving, start laying your life down for the gospel, start leading your wife and your kids, start loving them the way Jesus called you to love them. It's not enough to bring home a check, they need you to bring home the spirit. So please. If you're a wife or you're a mother, I wanna ask you to stand up, please. Men, you can stay standing. Ladies, you are the spiritual support of your home. Now, some of you have had to fill both roles because some man or boy did not fulfill his. I'm sorry for that. But there are men in this church that can be spiritual fathers to your kids, but you gotta be in the house to help that happen. Make the house matter to you and your kids. You're the spiritual support of your home. If you're married, I'm asking you to support the leading of your spiritual husband as your spiritual husband leads well. I'm asking you if they don't, to call me. Because we'll help them and make sure they do. If you have kids, I want them to stand up with you. Parents, first, men, some of you need to repent to your wives for how you have not led them spiritually. And I pray that you hear my heart on this. This is not to beat you up. I love you. But many of us have been so passive in our faith. And I promise you, your wife is looking for you to be more. And so, but parents, some of you need to repent to your kids 
Some of you are failing them as spiritual leaders in your home. Some of us, and we've all been there, it's, all, it's, it's happened to all of us, so I'm not beating you up, but I am aiming to give you clarity. Some of you have deprioritized God, the gospel, the Great Commission, prayer, devotion, God's people, and God's house. You've provided money, clothes, a home, and food, but you have neglected their eternity long enough. Something has to change for some of you. Some of you are doing your best to get your kids to cheerleading, sports, chess club, practice, college, a degree, all the while doing absolutely nothing to help them get to God. I'm begging you to change that. Because when your 10-year-old turns 15, you're going to show up on our doorstep asking where everything went wrong. And I'm going to reference September 19th, 2021. Well, I begged that you would hear the Spirit of God saying, none of that crap matters. If they never get a college degree, if they never do any of that, but they fulfill everything God called them to, they were successful. So please hear me on that. If you have a teenager and they are not attending transformation students on Wednesday nights, that needs to change today. That needs to change right now because we're making a difference in your kids' lives. It's just some of your kids aren't there to experience it. Please change that. I'm reminded of Ashley. I don't know if she was here. Ashley's not here tonight, right? I was reminded of Ashley. She got her, she played softball at Escambia High School, got her scholarship, went to college, and her life fell apart. And sports couldn't fix it. The degree couldn't fix it. Her college couldn't fix it. But she clung to something that she had before she left, which is a radical experience with Jesus Christ. And it took her down some crazy roads, life did. But there was something, there was a hook in her heart that she experienced through leaders that drug her back to the Father that wouldn't let her go. And I'm asking you parents to make sure there's a hook in the heart of your teenagers that does not let go. And that the church is a part of that. Your family calling is directly connected to your faith calling. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you to get this right because if you can get this right, we can get this right. This is why this is so important. So what do I need you to do? I have a list. Adults, lead the family spiritually. I'll send this out so that all of you can have it on paper. So some of you are like, I can't write, I'm standing, so I don't, okay, so. Adults, lead the family spiritually. You teach them that the Bible is important. You show them what worship looks like. You pray for them in front of them. Stop telling your kids you pray for them and pray for them. Stop telling your spouse you're praying for them and pray for them. God checked me on this myself, to be completely honest with you. I used to pray over my wife every morning when I woke up. And some morning she would wake up to find me praying over her, which I'm sure was terrifying. <laughs> but I would pray for her. And somewhere, 
in the midst of all of this, it stopped. And before I came to you, God said, if you're going to talk about this, you better get it right yourself. Because you know God would be doing that. God does that sometimes. You bring them to church and engage with the service when you get here. You prioritize the house of God over worldly things. You show them what it means to be committed to your faith calling, which is serving, which is giving, which is groups. Number two, grow in your understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Grow in your understanding of the Bible. It is life. Grow in your commitment to Jesus. Grow in your discipleship process to becoming like God. Grow in your impact on the world and grow in your commitment to your faith calling. Number three, increase your consistency in the house and to the vision. Increase your consistency on your attendance. Increase consistency on your commitment. Increase consistency on your serving. Increase your consistency on giving and generosity. Increase consistency on prioritization of your faith calling in your job and in your community because your world needs you. My prayer tonight is that you would hear my heart my goal is not, hasn't, it's not to beat you up. My goal is that I would bring to you what God is bringing to us, myself included, which is that we would reframe some things because God's getting ready, I truly believe it, to blow the doors off this place. Like I truly believe, I don't know if y'all were in service today, but I was like, who are all these people? Like, well, who are y'all? I don't even know where, first of all, where you been? Second of all, who are you? Like, but I believe God's getting ready to do some things. But hear me, God didn't send unhealthy people. God didn't send healthy people to unhealthy environments. God's not looking to send broken people to a church full of broken people. We need some whole people. If he's going to send us people with broken marriages, we got to have some whole marriages to walk them through it. If he's going to send us people with broken kids, we got to have some homes full of whole kids and whole families to help walk them through it. So, so we need this. And so I want to encourage you with this last word. And then we're going to give you some time to pray with either by yourself or with your family, actually. We've carved that out. And I ask that you take advantage of it. Please don't leave. I'm aware that some of you tonight is going to be like, oh, that was dope, thanks, and nothing's going to change. That, for some of you, that may be the case. But for some of you, today is a turning point where something's going to shift. Friends, we know how this ends. Like, we know how this ends. We've read the last book of the Bible, the one that's yet to happen. Like, we know how this ends. We win. Like, the church wins. Like, look at your neighbor and say, we win. Like, thank God, good news. Some of you are like, oh, thank you. Okay, so like we win, like we win. God wins and we're on his team, so we win. Like I have no doubt about what happens at the end of this. Listen, the church wins. Are you guys excited about that? So like the church wins. And so, man, I'm so excited because at the end of this, the church wins. What I am a little bit worried about is I'm not sure how many of us are going to be in it when it happens. It's time that we be the church God has called us to be. We don't go to church. We are the church. And I pray that tonight is an opportunity 
for that to shift for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next probably eight to ten minutes. And our boys are going to dim the lights just a little bit. Husbands, I want you to pray for your wives right now. Because if you won't do it right now, you won't do it tomorrow. If you have your kids with you, I want you to get your kids around with you. And I want you to pray with your kids right now. Because if you won't do it today, you won't do it tomorrow. If you're single here and you're like, dope. I want, (laughs) I didn't know we were going to get into that. Uh, I want you to have your moment with God about, he's convicted you of something right now. Like through this talk, he's put something on your heart like, oh yeah, that's me. Now's your moment to get with God and say, all right, we're going to change some things. I beg you, let's take the next eight to 10 minutes and let's have a time with the Lord. If you're a parent here and you believe that your kid could be in this environment and be okay, I'm 100% okay with you going to get them and bringing them in here and praying with them in here. Okay, so just so you know that. Um, so if you want to go get your kids um, and bring them in here and pray with them, I, I would, it would bring me great joy, actually, to see that. So go ahead. Um, we'll run it for the next 8 to 10 minutes. I want you to touch heaven tonight so that we can see some things change in all of us, myself included. All right, guys, we'll get back together in just a few minutes.